There's a warning in Hebrews chapter 10 to people who pretend they are Christians, who associate with Christians, but who depart from the living God. That warning comes in verses 30 and 31. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. In our program yesterday, we pointed out that this is a warning to some of those Hebrews who have not believed in Jesus Christ. Even though the text said they were sanctified, we pointed out that sanctification doesn't necessarily mean one is a believer. And the evidence for that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14, where it says an unbelieving husband is sanctified by his believing wife. People who associate with Christians are sanctified in that they get the benefits of the Christian life. They're around people who are pure, holy, good, loving, and kind. They are around people who are trying to mimic Jesus Christ and be like him. And therefore they are sanctified in that sense that they are blessed by associating with such people. And so... Some of these Hebrews associated with the Christian fellowship, and they were blessed. But the writer is not sure that they have believed, and therefore he gives a warning about judgment. Now, a person may have considerable knowledge of the new covenant and how Jesus in his death became its mediator, and yet he may not have eternal life from God. How can that be? because the Bible does not promise eternal life to those who hear, nor does it promise eternal life to those who say they believe or who say they make a decision. Salvation is not promised to those with knowledge of the truth. The promises are to those who hear and believe. We are saved through faith, not by association or by knowledge. Knowledge of the Bible is often deceiving. People know the names of the uh, Twelve Apostles. They know the Ten Commandments. They know many things about the birth and the life and the death of Jesus Christ. And they assume, therefore, they are Christians. But that has nothing to do with Christianity. That is simply knowledge. We are not saved by the amount of knowledge that we have. Salvation is trusting one who bore the penalty on our behalf. And it's based on the word of God. There must be a promise from God that you believe in before you can have eternal life. You, of course, know many people, perhaps, who associate with religious institutions and who have hope that they somehow will make it to God because they take communion, because they were baptized, and because they... Uh, participate in other rituals. Does that save? Paul the Apostle never preached anything like that. He preached, whoever believes in him, that is in Christ, shall have remission of sins. That was his only message. It was the gospel of grace, that salvation was being offered as a free gift of God. Now that takes us through verse 31 of Hebrews chapter 10 we have dealt with a very important passage which many people misunderstand. And for that reason, I want to summarize it and go over the passage again. 
Let me begin by reading from verse 26. For if we sin deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful prospect of judgment and a fury of fire which will consume the adversaries. A man who has violated the law of Moses dies without mercy at the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the man who has spurned the Son of God and profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, and again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. To understand these verses, one needs to understand the problem facing these early Hebrew Christians. They were being drawn back to Judaism. They came out of it when they heard the gospel. But their roots caused them to still have attachments to Judaism. In addition to their roots, which included family and traditions, these people were no doubt pressured by Jewish teachers who said, Come back to the faith of your fathers. Leave those church meetings. The law of God gives us what we need. We have priests, sacrifices, and holy festivals. Now, we know that some of the Hebrew believers had been priests, and the pull to Judaism would have been very strong. The writer's approach has been to show the superiority of Jesus so that these kinds of people would not feel a need for anything more in Judaism. No priests and no sacrifices. Jesus, he said, made the final sacrifice, and he is in the presence of God, so they don't need a priest on the earth. In Hebrews chapter 10, the writer impresses them with the fact that Jesus Christ made one sacrifice, just one, and then he sat down at the right hand of God, then to wait until his enemy should be made a stool for his feet. And he wrote in verse 14 of this chapter, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Now, apparently some of them were not accepting this, and they thought that perhaps some of those sacrifices of Judaism could supplement the work of Christ, or that the work of Christ was not necessarily complete and final. Now that brings us here to verse 26. If we sin deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. What is this sinning deliberately? It's refusing to believe that Jesus is the final sacrifice. This is a condition not an act. It says, if we sin, and that's in present tense, and it means if we keep on sinning deliberately, and that refers to their condition. And their condition was one of doubting the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, for those people who say that this refers to an act, not a condition, we must insist that they define what that act is and how many times does one have to commit that act before there is no more forgiveness for his sin? Now, I say this is talking about a condition. It's a condition of doubt. It is a condition of sin 
for which there is no further sacrifice. That means that there is a sin for which Christ did not die. You can tell a murderer with confidence that there is forgiveness from God in Christ. An adulterer or a thief can be forgiven. We have good news of forgiveness for all men except one. And for him there is no further sacrifice for sin. Who is this person? He's the good man, upright and respected, who will not value the sacrifice which Christ made when he offered his own body to pay the sinner's debt. If men reject that, there remains no other sacrifice. What remains is judgment. If a man rejects the one sent by God, he identifies with Adam and commits the same sin, that of doubting. That's what Adam and Eve did. God told them plainly that they could eat of all the trees of the garden except one, and if they ate of that one, they would die. Then the evil one, the serpent, came and suggested that they really wouldn't die, and he caused them to doubt what God had said very plainly. So anyone today who will not believe in Jesus Christ is cast into that same family of doubters as Adam and Eve. They doubted God's word. Now the awfulness of facing judgment without any opportunity for appeasing God is undesirable. When a man rejects God's sacrifice and must answer to an angry God, there remains no hope. The terror of it could cause one's heart to fail. But even that is not an escape, for all the dead will be raised, and they will be judged after that resurrection. A sacrifice has been made which will bring forgiveness for every sin committed since the Garden of Eden, no matter how terrible. But if we refuse willingly that sacrifice, there is no other possible solution to our certain destruction. The author here is making a determined attempt to warn these Hebrews about their possible rejection of Christ in favor of Judaism. He is saying that if they have the slightest inclination to value Judaism more than Christ, they will have to answer to God for that. He is so determined to persuade them to rely on Christ's sacrifice that he gives an illustration from the Old Testament. These are Jews, and they can appreciate an illustration based on the law of Moses. The Gentile world would not be as easily impressed by this illustration. A Jew could understand a willful sin because the law of Moses addressed this very thing. Was there any sin in the Old Testament for which a sacrifice was not accepted? Did the law of Moses permit the covering of every kind of sin by a sacrificed lamb? No, it did not. The law spelled out two kinds of sins. There were those for which a sacrifice was permitted and other sins for which atonement was not possible. For those sins, the judgment of the law meant death. It was terribly strict. The law is spelled out in the book of Numbers in chapter 15. It says, One and the same law applies to everyone who sins unintentionally, whether he is a native-born Israelite or an alien. But anyone who sins defiantly 
whether native-born or alien, blasphemes the Lord, and that person must be cut off from his people, because he has despised the Lord's word and broken his commands. That person must surely be cut off. His guilt remains on him. In verse 30, it is intentional and defiant sin, and the answer to it was death. Now, if a man went back to Judaism after hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and he returned to Judaism for salvation, he would be figuratively stomping on Christ and he would be treating his death as common. Now, that's the meaning of sinning deliberately in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. We perhaps can apply that verse to people who have grown up in the Christian church and then join a cult that denies Jesus Christ as the Son of God. There are religions which deny that the Bible is the Word of God. People who embrace such religions are rejecting Jesus Christ as the only way to God. There is no more sacrifice for sins for such people. Now, in tomorrow's lesson, we'll begin with verse 32, the final paragraph of this wonderful chapter. If you are benefiting from these lectures on Hebrews, you may want to get the tapes that cover the entire book of Hebrews. Those tapes are available along with many other tapes. We call them teaching tapes. You can get information about those by asking for our tape brochure. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.